Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. What's happening, people? What day is today? It's Wednesday, huh? It is Wednesday, and I've had iOS 17 for a couple days. Looking forward to the next the next uh, Mac update, which comes next week. I've been enjoying it. It's nothing too impressive, and I'm looking at your standby mode on your iPhone right there, and I realize I have to have hardware to make that thing work. You do. I don't have the the puck. I don't have, I don't have any of the magnetic charging devices. Really? None. I huh. stuck with the wire. The wire is faster. It's easier. I don't have any of this. So I'm going to have to buy something. But now you're thinking, I, I want the puck. Yeah. So now what I'm doing is I have uh, an item in my... You, you use Camel, Camel, Camel? Nope. Camel, Camel, Camel.com will price track for you on everything, at, most of everything at Amazon. And it'll send you an alert when it drops to the best price or a, a really good price that you're looking for. So I'm tracking one of those wireless charging devices so I can actually utilize that thing. Camel, camel, camel.com. Hmm. Why camel? I don't know. That's just what it is. My, my uh, desk riser thing here has a built-in one of those wireless chargers. It doesn't prop it Flat, up very well. Uh, see, yeah, it a, does prop it up, but just not, not enough. Not enough. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Desk risers these days, right? Seriously. They don't make them the way they used to. One. Back in the fifties, desk yeah. riser. Oh. The wireless chargers back in the fifties. Back in the fifties. So yeah. So good. Yeah. Um, I install betas, so nothing super new for me on any of this stuff because I've been rocking it for a little while. But uh, Pastor PG lives life on the edge. I guess the desktop version of it is a little bit more stable, I suppose. Yeah. I, I'll find out on Monday yeah. or Tuesday, whenever they release it. We're recording this podcast on the desktop, so I hope it's stable. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's stable. It, it, so far, it has been. Well, so we're not stable. We're not stable. No. No hey, one is stable apart from Christ. Uh, that's true. It's the middle of the week. It's Wednesday. Wednesday's okay. Wednesday's, Wednesday's my big sermon prep day. Like, yeah, yeah, same here, I guess. I'm finishing it up. Yeah, pretty much all day is, is devoted to that. Wednesdays and Fridays. Tuesdays and Thursdays are chopped up. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to get in that rhythm and, in yeah, routine. People ask all the time, hey, how long does it take you to prepare a sermon? <laughs> and what do you say? I, I, how much time do I have, right? Oh, it's like... Oh, okay. Steve Lawson once said, you know, if I have, if somebody gives me 20 hours to, to prepare a sermon, I'll take 20 hours to prepare a sermon. If someone yeah. gives me 30, I'll take 30 and I'm not there. Like I, I do reach a, a stopping point where I'm like, okay, I finish, feel like I'm, I'm ready to go into the pulpit with it. But yeah. yeah. John Piper has my favorite answer. How long does it take you to prepare a sermon? My whole life, <laughs> which I get. I, I mean, the, the longer I've done it now, the more I'm like, you know what? I get that. Because all of my, my knowledge is accumulative. My application is somewhat accumulative in, in the sense that uh, my application gets deeper and wider and, and more nuanced in some ways as well because I have more experience to work with. I've counseled more people. So I, I, I think that's a fair answer. Yeah. But realistically, though, I mean, so for you, though, give us a rough and dirty. How long does it take on an average week? Best case scenario, what does that look like for you? Probably 20 to 25 hours. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty good. I'd put yeah. myself in the same ballpark. Probably closer to 15 now that I've got these other responsibilities uh, stacking stacking up. But but yeah, probably about the same time. Yeah. But it's it's the other thing too, and you're probably like me in this, it's not something that you're 
like you leave when you go home. Like you're like I was on a run this morning and I'm listening to the the Elon biography. And as I was listening to that, I was thinking about an illustration to use in this coming weekend. Totally. And And the shower and the bathroom. Reworking your points over. All over. Yeah. So it's, it's a, it's a longer process than that, but it's in office. Like your whole, it takes over your whole life. Right. Right. It takes over your, your thought bandwidth and you have to deliberately not think about it to, to kind of let it rest and settle. Yeah. Yeah. Do do you ever read your notes before you go to bed? No, no, that's a, that's a hack, bro. Cause it, it puts it like in the, in the subconscious you can work on it as you're sleeping. Yeah. I find that to be, sometimes it's stressful. So I'll give you that. This is right. a warning stressful, but I mean, yeah. If you want to remember it and have it go down deep, that's one way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I manuscript my notes. Um, and so by the time I go up to preach it, I've gone through it four or five times. Wow. Cause I've written it and then I go back through and mark it up and, uh, use highlighting and, than my Apple pencil and all that stuff. Too much yeah. information for you Hearts, guys to care about. But yeah, yeah. Stars get loud. Weak point. Get loud. <laughs> um, <laughs> Say this quickly. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, just a glimpse there, I guess for you guys into the, the inner workings of how we get ready for sermons. They are fascinated. I'm sure, but I'm sure they're ready to hear our Bible commentary. Yes. Yes. On Ecclesiastes, uh, 10 through 12. And they can't wait for tomorrow. Pastor P. Yeah. Everybody has been either. sending I'm text messages. The bit. They've been begging us, please go into the dirty detail about every single jot and tittle in song of Solomon. Hey, I'm just going to disappoint you. We're not going to do that. So there you go. Wah, wah, wah. Yep. Hey, uh, Ecclesiastes though, 10 through 12. Speaking of vanity, um, we're jumping back in and he in chapter 10 goes proverbial on us again and he starts to go through and give us these little nuggets Uh, how about the first one dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench so a little Mm. folly outweighs wisdom and honor we have a lot of flies in texas and uh this summer we all over man we went to battle against them underestimated the power yeah if you don't have one yet you should get a bug assault it's uh you it's can buy it on Amazon. That's filled with Amazon. salt. Yeah, like a shotgun, pump action shotgun. Okay. And it's got salt in it and it will shoot and kill the fly. And the great thing is if you've ever swung and missed at a fly, you won't with this because it doesn't see the, the salt coming. Now, that's not true. When we went to your house, I forget which of the days it was. Someone had your salt gun. Yeah. And they shot at the fly and they missed. Well, that's just their problem. Not it, the, and it not was a male problem. It was a male. Yeah. Well, it was tough, man. I, I cried a little bit. Yeah. But all that to say, uh, the, uh, you kill the fly. The fly, it's not like the fly stinks. So it must be something about the ointment is what I've always thought about this. Unless the Israelite flies were just particularly potent, that it would cause the, the ointment to turn. Maybe the the decomposition of the body and the oil, not to get overly gross, but change the, the perfume. But the whole point here is chemical reaction. something small can have a big impact. Yeah. And here it's sin or folly, foolishness. And so, again, we, we see some of Solomon coming through in, uh, as he talks much about folly in the book of Proverbs. He's kind of bringing it back in here in Ecclesiastes, I think. Yeah, one of the lessons that I, I try to remind myself about is that it's really, really hard to, to gain trust, to gain people's respect and, and appreciation. Um, I think about that a lot as a pastor. Um, and it's really easy to lose it. Yep. You can make one silly mistake. You could say one silly thing and totally undo years of the work that you put into that. And I think maybe that's not exactly what he's getting at, but I do think there is something to be said about recognizing how a little foolishness can outweigh so much wisdom and honor that were previously attributed to you now lost because of something that you did that was, was awful. Yeah. Yeah. 
Hey, verse 16, woe to you, O land, when your king is a child and your prince's feast in the morning. In other words, hey, you're in a bad way if you've got bad political leaders. And and this is just, I mean, talk about low-hanging fruit for application, right? It's And it's on all sides of the aisle. I, I, it, our hope cannot be in politics. And, and that's certainly making itself more and more evident. Even the quote-unquote conservative candidates that we face now are making arguments against um, pro-life positions and, and suggesting that we're going too extreme on wanting to do away with abortion and things. I mean, we're, we're just in a godless society that is increasingly becoming more and more godless. And here he, Solomon's saying, when you've got a fool for a king, you're, you're in trouble. And uh, I think we, we just, we need to do our, our duty as citizens and vote according to our Christian convictions and conscience, but our hope can't be there. Amen. That second pairing, verse 17, happy are you, O land, when your king is the son of the nobility. Your priests, uh, your princes feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. Man, that kind of respectability, self-restraint. Man, I'm rereading because it's his book, his book recently came out, um, Albert Moeller's Conviction to Lead, second edition that came out Tuesday. Okay. Came out Tuesday, so uh, it's been out for a day now. And I am reminded about how important it is to have godly leadership. As you were saying, yeah. Pastor PJ, I... Our country needs godly men, godly leaders, and it needs these kind of people here who who are they feast at the proper time. It's not such a small thing, but the right thing at the right time. It's they're doing what's noble and upright and righteous. That's the kind of leadership we need. And may, may, may it be the church produces these leaders that this is where we get the kind of nobility that we're looking for. Yeah. How about the end of chapter ten? Even in your thoughts, do not curse the king, nor in your bedroom curse the rich. For a bird of the air will carry your voice, or some winged creature will tell the matter talking to somebody actually today on the phone and uh they asked me a question about our church somebody from back in california and they said oh hey i heard you guys are thinking about doing this and i was like what what like how what they say where did that even come from tell us Um, what what was the uh what was the speculation it was that uh we were going to install women pastors no it it was (laughs) it was something else how did you find out but pastor kelly's going to be mortified (laughs) yikes (laughs) It was one of those situations um, where this is kind of the situation. It's like, oh, you never know who's listening to conversations who might go back and carry the the message far away. So um, just one of those things that we need to be mindful of what we say. And certainly the bigger and broader principle and more important one is uh, what Jesus said. Every careless word will be called to account. And so, you know, whether it's a bird that carries it away or whether we're called to give an account for it on judgment day where mm. we need to be ready for that that's right so even in your thoughts do not curse pastor pj that's kind of what I exactly mean. okay exactly i'm clear thank you yeah hey chapter 11 um he opens up with uh this idea of casting our bread upon the waters for you will find it after many days um he's dealing with the, the concept of generosity but even the concept of of diversifying where our investments are he's talking about some wisdom and how we're handling our finances here is he's saying uh, give a portion to seven or even eight for you do not know what disaster may happen on earth now this is an agrarian society so he's talking about farming pre- predominantly here but it is the concept of of we need to make sure that we're wise stewards with the possessions that we have and i think that's what he's commending at the beginning of chapter 11 Indeed. And I think that's uh, also verse four. Yeah. He who observes the wind will not sow. He who regards the clouds will not reap. Um, in other words, there's never going to be a perfect time. Uh, there's always going to be some reason not to uh, not to do something. There's right. always a reason for the overthinker to find for not to do the thing that he's thinking about. Uh, but I think scripture in this place encourages us to have a, a bias for action. Waiting for the perfect moment never comes. And it will mean, in fact, that we'll wait forever. So um, we trust the Lord. We act and we trust him with the results. Yeah.
Yeah, well, the rest of chapter 11, he's commending youthfulness and saying that it's a good thing. Um, But he's saying, hey, enjoy your youth, but with that eye towards the reality that everything that you do and all the things that you pursue will ultimately be brought into judgment before God. And that's verse nine. You know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. So that's the guiding principle. How do we enjoy the gifts that God has provided for us? How do we lean into the good things in this life? Like we talked about in one of our past episodes just recently, is it wrong for us to go out and get a haircut? Is it wrong for us to buy a nice car? Is it wrong for, no, but we need to understand that, that our motives and our, our intentions behind those things are going to be brought into judgment uh, there in verse nine. That's right. Chapter 12 then is the conclusion of the book. Remember the creator in the days of your youth before. And then he goes into a very, uh, poetic way of describing the onset of old age and the, mm-hmm. the effects that it has on the body. I don't like um, it. No. Yeah. Before the evil days come, when the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Evil days, just in the sense that the, the curse of the fall really has its way with us. And we often say two things are inevitable in this life. One is taxes. The other is, is death. And if you should be granted God, by God an old life, your body will ultimately break down. We can't escape that. That is part of the, the curse. And, and there's some things that we do. In fact, I had a conversation. This is an interesting one maybe to bring up. Somebody asked me recently about the concept of something like Botox. Is it wrong for a Christian to do that? Is it wrong to get for a Christian to get plastic surgery? Mm. And so we talk some about this concept because I think it can cross over a line when our motivation is we're trying to undo the effects of the fall and our heart is to, is caught up in that to say, well, I, I don't want my body to break down and, and we're idolizing youthfulness or we're idolizing this certain level of appearance. When I, I do think contrary, maybe in part to what Solomon's saying, I think there's a beauty in aging as well. I think there's a, a, a sign of God's favor when you see an older, older saint to say, look at God's faithfulness to this person throughout the years. And yeah, their body, they can't go and, and slam dunk a basketball. Of course, I've never been able to do that either. But you know, there's a, there's a, a testimony of God's faithfulness when you see somebody in their, their elderly years that God has been kind to through bringing them through so many things. So it sounds like you're saying not inherently sin, uh, unless, uh, the, I guess if there's a pure heart motivation. So right. could you talk me through what you would see that looking like if someone is saying, hey, I'm thinking about getting Botox. Um, and here's my reason, my motivation. And you would say, oh, that's great. That's a, that's a godly motivation. Yeah. I, I think there's situations where in just uh, generally speaking as Christians, plastic surgery in general, is it always sent? No, because somebody may, for example, be in a horrific accident and need reconstructive surgery, cosmetic right. surgery, things Everybody, like that. Right. I think things of that one. Right. Um, there may be other situations where a wife for her husband does something that she thinks he will appreciate about her physically. Right. Which is maybe more of the gray area situation that we're talking about here to say, is that right? Is that wrong? And and we get into the situation of heart motivation. I think on both sides of that equation there. And mm, um, this is challenging. It is. It is challenging. And, you know, I, I don't know that I could ever counsel someone positively towards right, it. Right. But I, I also can't point chapter and verse and say it's it's black and white issue that this is always sin this kind of gets into the, the realm of uh therapies that you can apply for for fertility some of it's not entirely clear some of it has some gray area and some of it is a little more a little more clear um whenever you're discarding a baby that's that's pretty clear that's a, that's a firm no uh, but i think this is one of the reasons why being a christian who knows his bible knows her bible so well this is going to help you walk in the path of wisdom, not make foolish decisions, not quickly judge someone who makes yeah. decisions other than yours. 
And um, I guess with regard to aging, uh, <laughs> I think it's Jay Vernon McGee, um, one of my favorite old-timey Bible teachers, who said, if the barn needs painting, then paint the barn. <laughs> you know, one of those things. So he would do Botox. I think he would. I don't know if he would say that. But man, I just... I don't know. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with preserving the body God gave you, but of course it can, it can always go and it can cross the line. And I think the line's going to look different for all of us. Yeah. Fair. Well, as chapter 12, it, it comes to a, the end. This is the conclusion of the book. And we started here, but uh, you spoiled the end for us. So I you did. Know that this I already happened. did. Yeah. But verse 11 is super helpful. The words of the wise are like goads. A, a goad would have been uh, an unpleasant thing, but meant to keep an animal moving in the right direction. Like a sharp ended sharp. stick. Exactly. Yeah. And you would goad the person or goad the animal to keep them on the path so that they don't wander off. That's the words of the wise. And that's what Solomon's been trying to do in this book is to provide uh, cl- clarity and direction through recounting and and lamenting some of his own decisions that he made foolish choices in but he wants us to learn from them so that the end of the matter when all has been heard is that we would fear god and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man for god will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing whether good or evil amen to that and that really does help wrap up a, a really challenging book with complex knowledge complex wisdom and i think one of the big takeaways for us is that the the, the wise person the wise man the wise woman will walk in the fear of the lord yes that's the secret that's the secret sauce yes now how does that fit and the overarching glorify God, love him, heart, soul, mind, and strength, love neighbor as self. I think obviously this is the, the grease that keeps those cogs moving. This is what helps us to love him appropriately and love others appropriately as well. It's the fear of God, high view of him, respect. Yep. Well, let's jump to the New Testament. Let's do it. I'm a little bit sad to leave Ecclesiastes because of what it means for tomorrow, but that's okay. <sighs> I love Song of Solomon. <laughs> Can't wait. Second Corinthians chapter 11. Uh, this is uh, always been a fascinating chapter for me. And it's one that cuts the legs out under, under me from my complaining so often. Um, because this is Paul's resume, if you will, of earthly suffering. And he's talking about boasting and, and people have boasted, I guess, in, in context of how much they've suffered for Jesus. And he says, okay, you want to go? Let's go. And he, he just begins to list off all of the different things. And he starts with his pedigree. Are they Hebrews? I am too. Are they Israelites? I am too. Are they the offspring of Abraham? So am I. Servants of Christ? Man, what else you get? Let me lay out to you how much I've served Jesus. And then he goes on and he talks about five times the receiving at the hands of the Jews, 40 lashes, less one. Some people died once from that. So the fact that he went through that five times, right? Yeah. Three times I was beaten with Paul's rods. Paul's a boss, man. It, he was, right? And he goes through, once I was stoned. Okay, we're not talking drugs. We're talking, <laughs> we're talking rocks. Um, shipwrecked. Three times shipwrecked, right? Adrift at sea a night and a day. And then it, the Danger Will Robinson section, right? Danger from journeys. Danger from rivers. Danger from this. Danger from that. And then on top of that, right? I was talking with somebody again today. He says, the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. I mean, we've yeah. got one church and I feel that. Yeah. I can't imagine having multiple churches and the weight of the anxiety of caring for people in all of those churches. Well, I think about our sending pastor. He would often talk about some of the, the, you know, the daughter churches and the churches that they supported and helped plant and... I think I've seen in him a godly response, a kind of a, a godly anxiety. Because this is interesting, isn't it? It's anxiety. And he yeah. preaches against this. Yep. Uh, Jesus preaches against anxiety. And yet Paul says, this is, I think this is a sanctified anxiety, a good and godly concern for God's people. Yeah. Anxiety is a weird one, isn't it? Because it's it's prohibited, Philippians 4, do not be anxious for anything, right? That's a, a right. command. 
And yet anxiety is so often one of those things that happens to us more than us walking into it, right? Things befall us. We lose a job or somebody in our family is diagnosed with cancer or we have a wayward child or just difficulty in our marriage. Anxiety comes, right? We, it's like we, it's, it's that inherent gut response that we have to something. Mm. And so I, I think it's not so much that we need to pile on someone for feeling anxious and be like, well, you're in sin because you're anxious right now. I think what we need to do is encourage people what they should do with that anxiety. And that's where we have the clear direction from scripture. That's where the same guy who wrote this also said, but in all things, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And then the Philippians four, eight verse as well, which gives us the, the sieve to place over the top of our minds so that we're thinking about things that are good and godly and things that won't lead us down the path of anxiety further, which is the things that are true and right and noble, and honorable, and excellent, worthy That's of praise. Right. So, you know, here's, yeah, here's Paul saying, look at how much I've suffered for Christ. Um, and I've had these anxieties for churches. And, and so I, I think there's a lot that we can be encouraged from by this, but really second Corinthians 11 in this section, I think is setting up where he's going to go in, in chapter 12. And I think that's really, again, kind of an unfortunate chapter break here, especially as we're doing a podcast that deals with separate chapters each day. But I think this is really going to set up where he's going because he's going to talk a lot about weakness in the next chapter. And so he's saying at the end of this, I'm boasting in my weaknesses. And then he's going to explain more of what that means in the next next chapter. Yeah, so fascinating to see Paul's biography, a little bit of his biography anyway, about the kind of life that he lived and how often the devil tried to kill him and how often God preserved him even through those sufferings. And the consequent theology for him is like, man, I'm, I'm weak, but he's strong. I have a, I have a mindset that's, I mean, he embraced suffering. He, he calls us to suffer along with him, to follow him as he follows Christ's, uh, follow, not Christ, plural, Christ, <laughs> singular. Uh, Paul is such an inspiration. And I think this is one of the reasons why God granted him the grace of writing so much of the New Testament, because he got it. And this is one of those areas where you can see that evidence, like he has anxiety. What do you have anxiety about? Typically, we're worried about money and, you know, this or that kind of physical thing that we might need. And that's fine. There's 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 place where we, we need to be concerned for, for things like that. But here he's concerned about God's kingdom, God's right. glory, God's honor. Right. And I hope we're the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, thanks for joining us again for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. And we hope and pray that you'll join us again tomorrow. Oh, Lord please willing. come tomorrow. Please come tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We'll see you then. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Mm-hmm.